Let's get it, let's get it, let's get it. It's your boy Sully on the Excuse Me podcast, the Maximize a Moment podcast. I'm so happy that you're here, so happy that I'm here, so that we can grind to, to get to, to get to Christ every day of our lives. Whether you're in your car right now, at the house, or at the house and it's snowing outside, I don't know, by the pool, I don't know where you are right now, but I'm glad that we can fellowship together and have this dialogue and just get to some concepts that God has brought into the table. So with that being said, let's sit at the table with God and let's fellowship together. So currently I am heavy in apologetics and I won't fill you with a lot of the philosophical arguments in this forum, but it has readily brought to me that we are all apologists in some way or another. Because as Christians, we provide a defense for Christ. We provide an argument, a statement, and reasoning as to why Christ lives and lives in our lives. The word apology or apologia in the Greek means defense, especially of one's opinions, positions, or actions. Defense, especially of one's opinions, positions, or actions. And as we Christians, those who follow Christ, those who follow God, provide this defense through our lives in which we live conversations with people from all walks of life to include our families, co-workers, neighbors, and so on. And we provide this even to ourselves. Yes, we too. Yes, you. We, in- we battle in- internally and seek out those questions through prayer and filtering those things through the word. And 1 Peter 3.15 says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, this is a cornerstone scripture for the subject matter, but what people often miss is the latter part of that verse, which simply states, but do this, do this with gentleness and respect, gentleness and respect. I'm not here to bash you mistreat you, overwhelm you, or diminish you. But if I am to be as Christ was, Christ is, I am to present myself and the transformation God has made in me with gentleness and respect. I'm not going to delve deeper into this today, but this, this is critical to set the stage for what the heart of the matter is today. There is a man named Blaise Pascal. There was a man named Blaise Pascal that lived in the 17th century who was a French mathematician, physicist, inventor, philosopher, and theologian. We should take a moment, just a quite a quick second to acknowledge my man's name was Blaise. That's that's kind of fire, but I digress. He is famous for many things, but one is the Pascal wager. The wager's argument gets pretty deep, and if you want to read deeper into it, his pen says, from 1657 through 58 is available from academic institutions if you just take a Google online. But in a nutshell, this is what Pascal's wager is. If the Christian God does not exist, the agnostic loses little by believing in him and gains correspondingly little by not believing. 
If the Christian God does not exist, the agnostic loses little by believing in him and gains correspondingly little by not believing. If the Christian God does exist, the agnostic gains eternal life by believing in him and loses infinite good by not believing, i.e. being condemned to hell. Agnostic means someone who neither believes or disbelieves in God. They just don't know for the context of shaping this wager. So keep this wager in mind as we build further. There was another gentleman by the name of Abraham Maslow, an American psychologist who is best known for a human motivational theory in relation to psychological physiological health called Maslow's hierarchy. Think to yourself a pyramid and a pyramid made of five layers from bottom to the top. The first bottom layer is your physiological need, which are food, water, warmth, and rest. Food, water, warmth, and rest. At a human fundamental level, you need these secured before you move on or are motivated to get to the next level. And these are just very basic needs, right? And then we move to layer two, the next motivation, which are safety needs. Literally security and safety. Layer three is belongingness and love, which is the need of like friends and intimate relationships. You're not gonna be worried about friends and IG hearts and being intimate with somebody if you don't have security and safety. You're not gonna be worried about security and safety if you don't have food, water, warmth, etc. if you're tracking the frame of thought. All right, layer four is esteem needs like prestige, feeling of accomplishments, and so on. People that only take from others or serve themselves will find it hard to actually get past this level because they will always be chasing the high and will need things or people to continually feel this for them. Because we as Christians have Christ We find this fullness in him and completing his will for our lives, which takes us to layer five, the pinnacle, which is self-actualization, achieving one's full purpose and potential to include creative activities. Now, as Christians, we identify our identity is found in Christ and we live by serving and carrying our cross just as Jesus did. We are actualized through Christ who illuminates who we are. Maslow, before he died, was working on a sixth layer called transcendence, whereas it becomes greater than yourself, something bigger than you, which as Christians, we know this by how we serve in our lives and everything. We do everything as if we're doing it for God the Father, because he is bigger than we are. He is bigger than everything. He has all sovereignty. Here's the kicker. Why is it easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter in the kingdom of God? For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What am I saying? People work harder for the things once they know they can lose it It's one thing to gain, it's another to lose. If you believe your house can be taken away tomorrow, you will do everything in your power to keep it. People will take out three mortgages to keep their land, max out multiple credit cards to pay off 
other credit cards. If you don't have food in your stomach and water to, to drink, you will do everything and anything you need to survive. All your focus and attention will be on that level of the believed need. The reason why some Christians and non-believers do not go all in is because they do not understand the level of the wager, the level of loss or gain that has been provided by the undeserving grace of God. To lose eternity is to lose life. To lose the abundance of Christ's fullness fulfilled for our lives, to live in Christ is life, continual, enduring life. To share in the resurrected life with Christ and to exist then die and forfeit the soul in hell for what you once had is eternal loss. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Story time. Luke 16 verses 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, linen and lived in the luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises for from the dead. Now, there's some foreshadowing because Jesus has not died on the cross at this point when it is captured, obviously, in this historical moment in Luke. So there is some foreshadowing there. But do you understand the gravity of the wager? Understand the loss of life without Christ. If people truly understood, could, could truly grasp the life and death move beyond just the last breath that leaves our body and the infinite dominion that lies beyond this one, the dice wouldn't be rolled so casually. 
People will go to lengths to shame people about seeking the glory of God that he has in store for Christians, but have they seen the alternative as the rich man did? Are you willing to take the L and spend a torturous time in hell because you didn't want to spend time on earth governed by God, the creator of all things and the one who can unveil the deepest mysteries, the one who had you in mind? Do you know how much you have? and what you are willing to wager on a daily basis. Do Christians really understand what they gained in Christ? If they did, I bet they'd fight for it more. And if you are without Christ, are you willing to risk your life on it? God loves you. Come to him today. Repent and accept him as your Lord and Savior. He lost his life so that you could live. And Jesus still lives at the right hand of the Father. Live and live more abundantly in his grace. What do you wager? I will leave you with this quote by G.K. Chesterton. When men choose not to believe in God, they do not thereafter believe in nothing. They then become capable of believing anything. I hope this message blesses you. I hope that you live blessed. I hope God touches your heart and your home. And I pray that he covers you in this time of so many crises that are around the world. I will continue to pray for you. I love you. Maximize the moment and let's get it. step away lay down lay down your old chains come now and take up your new name your best life up ahead now you one step away lay down lay down your old chains come now and take up your new name your best life up ahead now you one step away Just one step away